0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, October the 6th, 2022. Uh, A few months ago, I thought we had an interesting show with the writer Gabriel Glazer, Um, She has a book out on adoption uh, called American Baby, A Mother, A Child, and the Shadow History of Adoption. It's a very personal story by Glazer and quite moving. We had an interesting conversation. We are returning to the subject of adoption today uh, with my guest, Erica Hayasaki, who has an equally fascinating new book out. It's out next week on October the 11th called Somewhere Sisters a story of adoption, identity, and the meaning of family. Uh, Erica teaches at UC Irvine and she's joining us from Southern California. Uh, Erica, welcome and congratulations on the book.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So tell me a little bit about the origins of this story. It's a very ambitious narrative that you set out. Um, How did you stumble across this story and how did you how and why did you decide to write the book?
1: So I came across the story really because I was um, learning more about twins and uh, nature and nurture. I um, have my own twins who were born in 2016,
0: and I
1: um, started researching twin studies and connecting with a twin researcher here in California. And through that, um, relationship, I actually wrote a piece for The Atlantic about uh, twins and epigenetics. And then um, I met different twin pairs around the country and eventually connected to these twins that ended up in the book, uh, the focus of the book. And I was interested in their story uh, and got to know them over a period of about five years, and particularly their families all over the world. And through that process also ended up learning a lot about adoption, um, transnational and transracial adoption. So the book um, is a narrative nonfiction account of uh, these sisters and their lives. They were born in Vietnam and separated at birth. One was adopted by um, a white American family and raised in the Midwest. And the other was raised by her aunt and her aunt's partner in Vietnam. They did not know of each other from much of their lives or know much about each other until um, one day they ended up being reunited after um, the adoptive mother in the U.S. um, decided to try to connect these two twins.
0: Yeah, Erica, it, it sounds as if this whole thing could have been, I'm not suggesting it was invented, but it could have been invented either by a fictional writer or by some sort of experiment in human genetics of one kind before we get to that though let's talk a little bit about your experience of having twins how did it how did the experience of having twins change how you thought of w- what twins mean or meant
1: yeah i don't know if i well i i thought about it because i i write science stories so i always been interested in twin research long before I even thought I would have or knew that I would have twins myself. Um, You know, uh, I had been sort of interested in how much uh, our genes matter versus our environment and that's what twin studies is often looking at. Um, so you know, and I, and I obviously thought as much of the research shows that genes play a very strong role in who you become. Um, in having my own twins, and of course, doing much more research and, and spending time with these twins over the years, um, I've come to understand how much more complicated it really is. Um, and also the history of twin science, the sort of dark history of twin science. Um, you know, this tendency for science to lean so far to um, the genetic side of it that um, it can lead to dangerous outcomes. Um, and in reality, you know, I think a lot of the science now shows is you know there's an interplay, a very complicated interplay between the environment and genes. So the genes impact are impacted by the environment. There's an epigenetic effect. There's also the role of chance in your life and, and mutations. So even if twins have identical genes, it doesn't mean they' all all the same, um, which is often sort of, Uh, the fascination with twins is around sameness, but yet, um, in a lot of cases of twins like my own or like these twins, um, although they share the same genes, they are very, very unique and different um, individuals on their own and that's a result of, you know, a myriad of different um, patterns.
0: Yeah, Erica, it always seems Mm -hmm. to me that uh, we're a bit inconsistent when it comes to twins and siblings. We take it for granted that Siblings should be different. Often they turn out to be opposites. Uh, But we assume twins should be similar. Is this just um, a misconception because they often turn out to be identical looking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's also where we've become fascinated um, with twins is in these cases where, like, there's the famous case of the Jim twins um, who were studied as uh, part of the Minnesota twin study. And, you know, they... Um, and this was it, uh,
0: the Born Together book, right, that you write yes, about?
1: Yes, which Nancy Segal is the twin researcher who is very well-known for a lot of this work and who was the researcher who um, first introduced me to the twins in the book that I write. But, yeah, the Jim twins, as you highlight there. Um, They, you know, lived quite close to each other, had a lot of the same kind of habits, married women with the same names, their children and their dogs and their professions, all of these really uncanny similarities. Um, And so obviously cases like that get a lot of attention because they just, it's kind of a spectacle. Um, But there are a lot of twins who are not, you know, don't share a lot of those similarities. And so it's an assumption we make Maybe on the sameness of how, you know, identical twins might look alike or resemble each other, but really, um, as Nancy once put it, to me, they're, you know, really variations on a, on a different theme. Um so maybe they do have these similar traits, but they are um, impacted by many different elements of their environment and experiences.
0: Uh, Erica, your book adds to. Um, this narrative that you re- refer to Nancy Siegel's born together, reared apart. Yours adds to this because you add the twist, the complexity of adoption, uh, which is an international, um, the, the international version of adoption and of course, US-Vietnamese relations. Tell me the story of the Somewhere sisters, these two girls, uh, these two, girls born in vietnam um when were they born what were they called and how did they get up how did it turn out that they got so radically separated geographically and culturally
1: so they were born in 1998 their mother who i interviewed um, was unable to care for them and um you know she struggled And tried, but you know, was really struggling herself. Um, She did not have work and did not have support, and so she took one of the daughter's loan to uh, an uh, orphanage, which I visited in Vietnam. And whereabouts in Vietnam? uh, Nha Trang. Yeah, Nha Trang, which is on the coast. And um, and so that is where uh, long lived for the first few years of, years of her life.
0: And there was How- no sorry to keep on jumping in, Erica, but there was no I mean there obviously was a father, but the father was not involved in any of this anymore.
1: Right. The father was not involved in their lives um, from the very beginning. didn't, according to the mother did not, um, did not want to be involved. And so then she, the other sister, the twin, was um, sickly. They were both sickly, but one of them was very sick and spent some time in the hospital. There were a lot of questions of, you know, whether uh, both of these twins, but particularly how would survive. She uh, just had a lot of health problems. They were early. and as um, their mother continued to struggle, she eventually made the decision to um, allow her sister to raise uh, to raise How along with her partner in um, also in Vietnam. So they lived in a village um, about an hour or so away from Nha Trang, and and that's where How was raised, and she had a you know loving life um, in her village. Uh, She sort of knew her birth mother who would visit time to time and was there, but really considered these two women in Vietnam to be her mothers. And then, of course, um, alone, she ended up being adopted by a family from the Midwest, along with another child um, who was adopted with her, not biologically related, but adopted from the same orphanage in Vietnam. And they moved to the United States. They were um, renamed by their adoptive family, uh, Isabel, their, so their names are mm-hmm. Isabel and Olivia. And they you know, lived their life in America for a long time, um, not really thinking too much about, well thinking sometimes about their um, birth families, of course, but not really um, trying actively to reunite
0: they were kids, of course. Did they know as they were growing up? Did Were they told or was the girl told that she had a twin sister in Vietnam?
1: She was told at one point that she had a twin sister in Vietnam. So their mother, um, their adoptive mother in the U.S., you know, realized that while going through some of the paperwork and realized that this had been part of a twin birth and had that in her mind and for many years um, you know, went to try to find this twin and went through different routes um, and along the way did, help, did let her daughter know this. So they, and then also the, the, the twin in Vietnam knew as well because they, um, in fact, one day, her adoptive mothers took her to the orphanage and she remembers that and she remembers them trying to, you know, find her twin and connect them. But at that point, um, the young woman, or she's now a young woman, Isabella had already been adopted to the US. So that was when they were you know, four years old and, um, and they did not again reunite until years later. Through Do you think that
0: um, it's one thing for siblings to be separated, it's quite another for identical twins did in your conversations with the two girls, did you ever get the sense that they felt that the separation was like losing a limb or another self?
1: No, and I think <clears throat> that's a good question because that's a question that, of course, I ask and I've thought about and people say a lot of times. Um, but I think what drew me to this story too is that this their story of being twins. Their adoption story, you know, all of this sort of breaks some of the stereotypes or tropes about twins or adoption because it's not maybe what we might assume or what we've heard before, and they did not feel like part of them was missing. At least that's how they expressed it to me. Um, you know, there was a moment in Has Life where she remembers looking up at the airplanes in the sky, and You know, she had not been in an airplane. She didn't really know how big they were, but she knew that they carried people, and she remembers being a kid and kind of screaming into the sky to bring me my sister, because she knew she had a sister. Um, But she also loved her life as an only child. She kind of felt like she didn't want siblings sometimes. So there was this feeling of sometimes being curious, but also being happy and where she was. She had a happy Life. And, and Isabella also had um, a happy life and with hardships, um, but certainly a life where she was very loved with her family. And she had a sister. This, she had several sisters, and one of them who was adopted with her, not biologically related, but from the orphanage. And they were sort of like twins, although not twins at all. <laughs> but they were raised together. They their mom dressed them alike you know they shared a room and so she had this very close bond with olivia and and it and she wasn't going through her life thinking i'm missing a part of me which is again you know one of those assumptions we have about
0: time that they would so listening to this story so far erica there doesn't seem to be any real reason why they needed or or even should have been reunited was this driven by The American parent.
1: I think that the whole um, idea to reunite them was certainly driven by the adoptive mom in the U.S. And I think she believed um, that they should be together uh, or to know each other. I think at a certain point she she sort of fantasized about maybe bringing... The twin to the U.S. not really knowing much about her story or her life in Vietnam, so um, a lot of the uh, the whole story was sort of put into play. The reunion, um, not by the girls who were they were girls at the time, so they were you know uh, teenagers or even younger than teenagers, um, and it was all kind of orchestrated by the, the mother. And so that's how that started to come together.
0: So briefly, I don't wanna give away the whole story because we want people to, to, to read the book, which is out next week, Somewhere Sisters. But um, where, when were they actually reunited? What year and, and, and what was it like, this re- reunification of the two sisters?
1: They were reunited Uh, Around the time they were in middle school, I believe. So um, the adoptive mother in the U.S. did find the family in Vietnam. uh, And at at the time, I think Ha was around, uh, she was elementary school age still. And it was a couple of years later that the twins reunited. And um, they took uh, the twin from the U.S. Isabella, to Vietnam to meet her sister. And I guess all I can say about that, and I would love for people to read it for themselves, is that, you know, again, we have an image being reunited on that we get from television. Um, We have these reunions that we see that are incredibly emotional and intense. And maybe someone will say, um, you know, I felt like part of me was missing my whole life. Um, I will just say that their reunion was not that. Um, It was much more complicated and painful in some ways and confusing and um, they didn't speak the same language. They had these two different families that were coming together for the first time. And so it was definitely um, not a made for TV kind of reunion that you might see on various shows
0: movie. That's why we're talking Erica. We don't want any made for TV narratives. <laughs> what does the story in, in broader terms tell us about adoption and that the complexities of adoption, particularly US adoption from Southeast Asia? Yeah, so
1: that was something I really got to learn about from the, the experts and from the scholarship and the research and many adoptees that I spoke to um, you know we have in the U.S. and the West uh, a narrative of adoption that sometimes can feel like a fairy tale. Sometimes these narratives with a starting point that begins with the adoption itself. And so my book does not begin with the adoption itself. It begins with um, the, mo- the birth mother and um, the story goes on from there. But um, what I'll say is that, you know, adoption, what I've learned through all these different resources and people is that it's much more complex. It's not a fairy tale. There's a lot of trauma involved. Um, there's an, a lot of um, forces that play international forces. There's a history of adoption out of Vietnam um, that dates back to after the war um, and uh, babies being put on planes, not Orphaned until they were classified as orphaned.
0: Yeah, this was the uh, Operation, Baby yeah. Operation Baby Lift. Yes. So-called Operation Baby Lift.
1: Exactly. So, so there is a chapter in that book that details when, in the book that details when, um, you know, a lot of these children were put onto a plane, and, and in fact, a plane crashed and the kids died. Um, uh, uh, but yet, more planes kept. Taking off, taking more kids to America. Um, some kids arrived, and um, you know, were asking where families were. Um, in some cases, you know, uh, they were put on planes to be um, maybe, you know, in a safer situation. But their families, in some cases, even came. Some people came to the U.S. Some others to try to find some of these children afterwards. Mm-hmm. So they were wanted and loved children, many of them. And so there's a history with Vietnam, for example, that begins uh, with transnational adoption that begins um, after the war that becomes um, a really hard kind of story and chapter in this in this legacy. Well, of- a,
0: yeah, I mean, it, adoption, international adoption is difficult enough, but if you add, the U S war in Vietnam. I just rewatched yeah. Apocalypse Now it, it adds that another element of complexity of tragedy of potential yeah. problems. How, how did that play out in terms of the legacy of the U S in Vietnam, of the colonial war and of the, um, essential defeat of the U S in, in, in Vietnam.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of, these and so I interviewed um, uh, some um, people who are now adults who were part of that era and who, in some cases, have never been able to track down or find their birth families or understand origin stories. Are you know a lot of this paperwork was not even um, in place, you know, or lost or not even put, you know, put together. This whole kind of haphazard um, arrangement of putting children the planes. And so um, it is a very painful uh, reality for people who've lived through that time period and are, are here and out, and, and, and are advocating for more transparency around adoption, more awareness, more um, understanding of this history really. And then once you get to the US um, or, to Australia or the various places where children were adopted to. Um, You know, many were uh, raised in families that were white um, and they were not white. There were communities um, that were predominantly white and maybe they were growing up now as Asian Americans um, in a community where they're trying to understand their identity. And again, this is that wave of adoptees, but there's waves of adoptees that have gone through similar circumstances uh, and had similar challenges with understanding their identity and their place in society and grappling with racism and, and all of that. Yeah so I mean how much
0: uh, explicit racism did the American sister has the American sister experienced in terms of being in the United States particularly uh, I'm, I'm not sure when you finished your interviews but particularly yeah. in post-COVID America where we've seen this horrible spike of anti-Asian sentiment.
1: Yeah, unfortunately dealing with racism is something she learned to deal with at a young age. And that's something I connected with Isabella on because I grew up in the Midwest, I am Asian American and I also remember being the target of a lot of bullying and slurs and all of that and confusion. And um, unfortunately that's of a common thread that runs through stories of being Asian American if you live in an area that's not very diverse. Um, And so she and I talked a lot about that, and that is in the book. And and then, of course, all of this, and and then she grows up. She is an adult. She's graduated college. All of this was recorded when they were already 18. So now they're in their mid-20s, and they've had a whole, you know, another chapter of their lives. But it all comes back for me and for, for them in talking as we've seen the kind of spike in anti-Asian violence. And, and even for the sisters who are, I guess, you know, the spoiler, but not really a surprise, they end up living together and being together in the U.S. And Pa, who comes from Vietnam, learns English and is in American schools and goes to college with her sister. And anti-Asian racism is not something that she deals with in Vietnam. You know, but through COVID and um, a lot of the attacks that have happened, and, um, even they have been targets walking down the street um, of, you know, racial And And it was a very moving moment when I remember Isabella telling me of feeling this uh, need to protect her sister, her twin, who had not gotten up in a society where she was bullied because of her race. And she... You know, this really um, intense moment for her because she knew what this felt like. She li- she dealt with it for a lot of her life, but yet yeah, this was like a trigger, and here she was trying to protect her twin, who didn't know that reality in the same way. And that all happened over the with COVID and the rhetoric around.
0: All right, and this. Yeah, I mean, it's poignantly, and that's the right word, poignantly or tragically ironic, given the history of the United States in Southeast Asia. Finally, um, uh, Erica, uh, you mentioned that you wrote a piece for The Atlantic, I think it was in 2018, on the the whole issue of genetic similarity of identical twins. You also wrote an interesting piece from The Slate back in 2018 about whether the experience of our ancestors can be seared into ourselves, not our souls, but ourselves. What did you learn about genetics in in, in in this book? Were the sisters or are the sisters quite similar? Do they have the same taste in food and culture and men?
1: I like that. they're not actually similar in all those ways. Uh, they might have, you know, I know Ha loves obviously, and Isabella did not love Pho at first, but then when we went through fact-checking, she said that Pho has grown on her. <laughs> so she wanted to change that. Um, and so, but as far as taste, I mean, they, they really did come from completely different worlds. And so have these sort of maybe similar parts of their personalities, maybe being shy in certain situations or maybe not the most social butterfly in or the most trusting to make friends quickly you know, um, or mannerisms. Certainly if you're around them, you'll notice little mannerisms, but they are their own people and they've gone through these experiences and become their own people. And they're very different, um, even though they're twins. And so, um, with those pieces that you pointed out, you know, there are these epigenetic changes that happen with our genes, like where the environment can kind of toggle with, the on and off switch of the genes that you are born with and those can be a myriad of different experiences or exposures you know to different um, environments right and all of those little things can switch on different parts of you or off and also there's chance there's just chance mutations so things can be different um, even if you have the same genes and so scientists are studying um, you know how epigenetics works and how to I understand, for example, if you have, and there have been cases of twins who have COVID and who live together, who share the same genes, they're identical twins, who work together, who are there together all the time. And, you know, in one case that I do cite in the book, you know, one twin dies, another survives. And the question becomes like, how is that possible when they contracted at the same time and have lived together, have exactly the same kind of, makeup? like what's affecting um, their, uh, their makeup and their health and and how they um, uh, are able to deal with certain illnesses or survive certain illnesses or not. Um, And there's a lot of studies around that with, for example, schizophrenia and different other kinds of conditions. Um, So so I guess in short, it's not so simple. It's not as simple as genes or environment. There's something much more complex at play, which is uh, it involves actually an
0: interplay between both of these. It's certainly complicated. Uh, finally, um, Erica, the final uh, issue in your subtitle of Somewhere Citizens: A Stories of a A Story of Adoption, Identity, and the Meaning of Family. Um, what conclusions did you learn, or what would a, a reader learn? Do you think from from this book about the meaning of family, especially given uh, one Well, both families, I guess, were adopted because the mother uh, allowed her sister. So t- twin adopted families. What, what did you learn or what should we learn from this story about the meaning of family?
1: I think for this family, which it, it, it involves many different families, um, there has been a terminology that I am familiar with in the research, which is, you know, the adoption triad, which might be, um, you know, the adoptee and um, the, the family and uh, the birth mother, for example. Uh, but others are using uh, this terminology called the constellation, which is sort of pulling all these other members as well of a family. That are part of um, your history and I think in this story it's not so simple again to say that reunion necessarily made everybody one happy family. I think there's a lot of pain that happened in some of the reunion um, stories in the book and that I've heard with adoptees um, and so you know everybody in the book has kind of figured out what that meaning for a family means for them and there's certain rules certainly connected with more than others. And I think for the twins and the Mm -hmm. sisters, the three sisters really, they are deeply connected, which is why the book does begin and end with them. Um, And while they may not have been raised together, the three of them, or share all the same genes or the same experiences, or even the same um, feelings about their adoptions or their histories and stories, um, they are connected. Um, the this sistership the this sisterhood with each other. they've tattooed it on, on themselves. They have these triangles um, that they've tattooed to kind of share that bond with each other too. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think that it is also a story about that love and sister.
0: Well it sounds like... Uh... Disney are going to be making this into a movie, which I, I mean as a compliment. Uh, Erica Hayasaki's *Somewhere Sisters*: A Story of Adoption, Identity, and the Meaning of Family. It's out next week. Congratulations, Erica, on this book. I think it's it's so important to tell the the truth, the real truth, not the reassuring truth, the troubling truth in some parts about this stuff because it's not always what we want to hear. But you've you've clearly told the truth, and congratulations on that. But what else? Uh, are you reading these days, Erica, that you might suggest to our listeners or viewers?
1: Yeah, well, I was just at the American Library Association, so I had a chance to meet this author, E.M. Tran, who wrote Daughters of the mm-hmm. New Year. Her book comes out the same day as mine. It's a novel, uh, beautiful, beautifully written, and I would really recommend this one. And then I also have another book called, written that came out recently in the last year at Times Shove and Melissa Chadbird. So these are two books that I have greatly enjoyed. The writing is gorgeous. The storytelling is um, also equally as gorgeous.